what is going on cover seven family welcome back to another episode here on the cover seven with mason pierce podcast and guys in today's episode we are going to be recapping all of the action from the 2022 nfl week two and guys this was another great week of nfl football so make sure to sit back relax or if you're on your way to work Make sure to turn it up a little bit while you're sipping on coffee or whatever you might have it. And I hope y'all do enjoy today's episode. But before we do begin talking about all the action that occurred from this past weekend, I want to talk to y'all a little bit about Anchor.fm's uh, monthly supporter program. Now it's, and now, it's pretty much similar to like a subscription. It's $4.99 a month, but it helps me better the quality of the podcast for you beautiful people. It'll eventually allow me to be able to give subscribers some exclusive perks, episodes, pretty much all the cool giddy stuff that you get when you do subscribe to certain platforms. Now, it's not required or expected or anything like that. I simply appreciate y'all checking out every single episode listening rating liking whatever y'all do i i greatly appreciate it and it means the absolute world to me but anyway guys like we always say here on the cover seven with mason pierce podcast i don't want to waste y'all's time so let's get right into talking some nfl football now the first game of this week two we have the los angeles Chargers, who are one and oh at the time traveling to kansas city to take on the one and oh kansas city chiefs now this game it looked like it was going to pretty much go the Chargers' way in the first half. Justin Herbert looked absolutely fantastic. Mike Williams, despite not having his counterpart, Keenan Allen, due to an injury in this game, he absolutely balled out as he had eight receptions for 113 receiving yards with one touchdown, and he had an absolutely magnificent one-handed catch, which did give him his lone uh, touchdown on the day. Now on the, opposite, now, on the other side for Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Chargers, he had a great game for the most part, despite throwing what was pretty much the game-changing interception to a Chiefs' a seventh-round rookie, Jalen Watson, which he took back for 99 yards. And you're probably wondering, they were at the goal line. Why were they throwing the football? Well, it was a misread by former Seahawk and uh, Rams tight end Gerald Everett, who thought he was going inside, but instead he went outside. And Justin Herbert threw it inside where he was not at, but instead the Chiefs cornerback Jalen Watson was as he would return it for 99 yards to the crib and would pretty much just change the whole momentum in this game. Uh, just, you know, unfortunately the, the Chargers offense was not able to really gain anything or kind of gain any more momentum for the rest of this game. And then there was a crucial blow later in the fourth quarter where Justin Herbert took a absolute shot to the ribs, and he he was on the ground for a while. Obviously, he was in clear pain. Something was going on, and you could clearly tell that he was injured. But instead, he decided to he decided to kind of toughen through it, despite coming out for the rest of the series. Chase Daniel, the backup, came in, but after that, the next drive, we saw Justin Herbert come back in the game. And when I tell you this guy is the literal definition of toughness, he literally would drive the Chargers down the field despite them trailing. By two possessions, he would drive them all the way down the field and score a touchdown to put them only down by three. But ultimately, the onside kick would be no good, and the Kansas City Chiefs would go on to beat the Los Angeles Chargers 27-24. to And don't forget, Chiefs fans, we're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs because they, they definitely had themselves a pretty solid game in this game as well as Patrick Mahomes. For his standards, not his greatest game, but for any just standard in general, he had a very solid game as Patrick Mahomes went 24 for 35, 235 yards passing with two touchdowns. Their offense was kind of, I would say, lackluster for most of this game. There was no really explosive plays that we kind of had gotten used to with Tyree Kill, which is another thing. The Chiefs really aren't kind of, you know, they're not able to really kind of do long ball anymore. They're kind of more just, you know, get five yards here, five yards there, maybe get 15 and you know that's really it. It's gonna be. It's that's kind of how this offense is going forward. You know they're still doing the the dual tight end sets. Travis Kelsey definitely did not have a huge. I mean, yeah, he didn't have a huge game at all. As he only had five receptions for 51 yards. So the Chargers defense and honestly, Chargers defense was pretty solid this whole game because they held Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who are the two biggest weapons on, for the Chiefs offense, pretty much under control this whole game. Obviously, Khalil Mack, his presence pretty much shook Patrick Mahomes the whole game. Asante Samuel Jr., the son of former NFL star cornerback Asante Samuel, he had himself a game as well. And then Derwin James, the safety for the Chargers, he absolutely body slammed uh, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey near the goal line. I mean, And when I tell you body slam, I mean he picked up a 230-something pound grown man and slammed him into the ground, made the ball pop out. It was, 
I mean, you could honestly pretty much have signed him up for WWE at that point, the way that he absolutely just crushed Travis Kelsey. But despite the fact, overall, I think the Chargers, they did play pretty solid this game. The defense had a lot of bright spots. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack opposite of each other on the defensive line. They looked very solid. And I think once this, this Chargers team starts to build a lot more chemistry, especially on defense, and then when they also do get their uh, wide receiver one and Keenan Allen back, hopefully sometime here soon, this, this Charger team will not have any type of worry. But kind of the main thing going on right now for the Chargers and their main concern is trying to figure out what type of injury the that um Justin Herbert has and you know as I'm recording this right now it may have already came out and it probably will but on Thursday as I'm recording this as of right now we do not know officially yet but I would imagine it's going to be some type of rib injury bruised rib hopefully not a fractured rib or anything but I'm definitely prayers out there for Justin Herbert and you know hopefully everything goes good because this Chargers team definitely is going to be absolute just menace when it comes to the AFC and especially in the AFC West but on the opposite side the Chiefs are still going to be the Chiefs currently they're 2 and 0 now as they proved to the season you know Chargers fall 1 to 1 to 1 and you know unfortunately in this division that they're in every single game matters and the Chiefs luckily for them they got momentum when it mattered the most as they would go on to beat the Los Angeles Chargers 27 to 24 now anyway guys now that we are done talking about thursday night football let's go to the main day of games and let's talk about some oh my lord i don't know what i got something stuck in my throat anyway let's talk about some sunday football aka the nfl day of the week so the first game that we're going to talk about is going to be the Indianapolis Colts coming off a tie against the Houston Texans last week, traveling to Jacksonville, Florida to take on the 0-1 Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, in this game, there's no words to describe how bad the Colts were. There's no words to, like, I can't describe it. Now, obviously, I know on defense they were missing a couple guys, most notably their all-pro linebacker Shaq Leonard. But the offense was just inexcusably horrible. I mean, they just could not get started at all. I know my, uh, Michael Pittman or Michael Pittman was not in the game at all for him, but Matt Ryan had a horrifically bad day as he went 16 for 30, 195 yards passing with three interceptions and no TDs. Now, for the flip side, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, man, the Trevor Lawrence and this offense just absolutely run up over this Indianapolis Colts defense as Trevor Lawrence went 25 for 30, 235 yards passing with two touchdowns and no sacks given up by the Jags offensive line. So great game for Trevor Lawrence and the offensive line. And then also on the flip side, Christian Kirk, he's actually kind of living up a little bit to the contract that the Jaguars gave him uh, in this offseason. I know it was kind of an overpay. It still is an overpay. But Christian Kirk on the day had six receptions for 78 uh, 78 receiving yards and two touchdowns so honestly this might sound kind of crazy but I do think that it was honestly a solid signing by Jacksonville to go ahead and go get them now for Jacksonville on defensive side of the ball their former uh, first round pick Josh Allen no not the Bills Josh Allen but it said the edge rusher Josh Allen he had a pretty solid day as he had three total tackles two of those were solo and he also had two sacks on the day so Overall, just a great game for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they would go on to beat the Indianapolis Colts who had all, and I mean all the expectations in the world to be one of the best teams in the AFC. They now fall to 0-1-1 and the Jacksonville Jaguars improved to 1-1 with the final score being Jacksonville 24, Indianapolis 0. And it also continues a now, I think it's eight-year streak where Indianapolis has not won at Jacksonville. So, yeah, definitely some tough times going on right now in Indianapolis. I know Matt Ryan was kind of we was kind of weird with his hand. It was looking like a hand injury, but apparently he's okay. So just overall a very rough game for the Colts. And, you know, don't write them away immediately. You know, they were missing a couple guys, especially on defense, and then they were also missing their best wide receiver. But this is definitely a concern if they're not able to even kind of compete and put up any type of points on the board against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But anyway, guys, let's get to the next game on this uh, early afternoon slate of games. And now the next game that we will talk about is going to be the 0-1 New England Patriots traveling up to Pittsburgh to take on the 1-0 Pittsburgh Steelers and coming off a very dominant and very, or very defensive dominant game last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. 
all the momentum was going onto the Steelers side of the ball. Now they did, they were they did not have their star edge rusher T.J. Watt as he's dealing with a pectoral injury, so that was a huge loss already. And that on top of that, Miami coming off a very disappointing Week One against a Miami Dolphins team, which they couldn't even barely put up seven points. And then also their starting quarterback Mac Jones, he was dealing with some type of back injury, so definitely was not the way that probably New England wanted to go into this game. But in a very shocking outcome. New England overcame the Pittsburgh Steelers in their defense. They put up 17 points. The rush game was very good. Um, Harris and Stevenson, kind of the, the two-headed running back core for the New England Patriots, had a very solid game overall, putting up a combined 100-plus rush, rushing yards. And then Mac Jones, I mean, he had a couple throws that were iffy, but overall he kind of had a solid game for being for being injured really for the most part he went 21 for 35 252 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception and you know there's nothing crazy but honestly the the one player and honestly my player of the game for this game has to be Nelson Aguilar because Nelson Aguilar he absolutely mossed a kilo Witherspoon on a, on on a touchdown throw by Mac Jones to him right at the end of the first half now, Nelson Aguilar, outside of just even that one catch, he had a very solid day. He had six receptions for 110 yards passing, or receiving, my bad, not passing, 110 yards receiving with one touchdown. So, very solid day. He, did, he had no drops as he was targeted six times, caught all six footballs that were thrown his way. So, very solid overall day for the New England Patriots. Jacoby Myers, who is a guy that I know a lot of Patriot fans are high on, and even myself included, because... He has a lot of potential, especially raw potential, and he had himself almost a 100-yard day. He had nine receptions for 95 yards receiving with a long of 20, 24 yards. So very solid day for the New England, New England Patriots wide receivers. And then on the flip side for the Steelers, Mitchell Trubisky definitely did not have his bad day. I wouldn't, or de definitely did not have his best day overall as a quarterback. I wouldn't say he had a horrific game because by no means was it horrifically bad. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky went 21 for 33. 168 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception. He also was sacked three times for a loss of 16 yards. So definitely not what you want to see. Najee Harris kind of had a very, very tough day getting anything started as he had 15 carries for 49 yards rushing. And that was really it when it came to Pittsburgh's offense. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he was the leading receiver with 57 yards receiving. So it was just a very, and I mean very tough day if you were a Steelers fan because it just seemed like the offense could not get clicking by any means. Defense didn't play horrible at all. Minka Fitzpatrick had himself an interception. Um, you know, the Steelers, you know, they weren't able to even get one sack this game, so that was definitely a concern, especially with the pass rush against Mac Jones. And, you know, definitely going to want to be able to dominate the fact that he was dealing with the injury, so he is a lot more kind of cautious, so to speak. But, yeah, overall – Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh's day was definitely not the best, not the best game we've seen this defense play overall. Defense didn't play that bad, but the offense with Mitchell Trubisky at the helm, they have got to step up, especially next week. So, But anyway, the New England Patriots go on to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers up in Pittsburgh 17-14 to as the Patriots now improve their record to 1-1 one and, one, and the Pittsburgh Steelers fall to 1-1. One one. Now we're going to head over to New Jersey most specifically MetLife Stadium as the New York Giants were facing off against Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. Now this game started off very rough for the Carolina Panthers as they quickly had two turnovers in about five minutes, both of those coming in the way of fumble, one off the opening kickoff, and then another from a Robbie Anderson fumble. Now however, they would start to get settled a little bit and as they would go into halftime, it would be 6-6. Six to six. But ultimately, in the second half, the New York Giants would pull out the win against the Carolina Panthers, 19-16. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the players in this game. Now, Baker Mayfield by no means had a bad game at all. He went 14 for 29, 145 yards passing with one touchdown. He was sacked twice for a loss of 16 yards. Now, obviously, Baker Mayfield had a couple iffy throws, but overall... Didn't make too, too many mistakes. You know, good thing we've seen him not throw an interception. And then on the flip side, Dan, uh, Daniel, a.k.a. Danny Dimes Jones, had a very solid day himself, too. He went 22 for 34, 176 yards passing with one touchdown and then zero interceptions, which is something you're going to absolutely want to see out of Daniel Jones, who has kind of had some troubles when it comes to turnovers. But anyway... For Carolina, after a pretty disappointing week for Christian McCaffrey, where he only rushed for, I think, like 
30, 40 yards. He finally got his bounce back game as he as he went for 15 carries on 102 rushing yards. Didn't get a touchdown, but overall a very solid bounce back game for Christian McCaffrey. And then on the opposite side for New York, um, Saquon Barkley obviously had an outstanding week one game against the Tennessee Titans. It's going to be very hard to replicate that 178 rushing yards that he did put up, but Saquon still had himself a pretty solid day as he had 21 carries for 72 yards rushing. But anyway, the main thing in this game was just the turnovers that the Carolina Panthers gave up because I think if they did not fumble the ball twice, they might have had a chance to win this game because, once again, they only lost by a single field goal. Now, New York probably should have dominated this game from the beginning because if you watched how the momentum was going, it looked like New York was going to absolutely run over the Panthers. But the Panthers' defense, they decided to be able to kind of hold hold the New York Giants a little bit in the second half, but overall it would be it would not be enough as Daniel Jones and the New York Giants beat Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers 19-16. Now, let's head over to Detroit, most most specifically Ford Field, as we have the Washington Commanders traveling up to Detroit, taking on the Detroit Lions. Now, Detroit going into this game off a very, and in my opinion, solid game against Philadelphia, which is a team that most people are definitely not going to want to play against this year. You know, they showed a lot of improvements, most notably on the defensive side of the football. And then you have the Washington Commanders who are coming off a week one win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had just absolutely obliterated the Indianapolis Colts. So if you'd probably said about two to three years ago, this game would have been nicknamed the Toilet Bowl. But as of this year, honestly, it isn't that bad of a game. Carson Wentz, his first season with Washington. You have Dan Campbell, who is absolutely changing the whole message and kind of energy in Detroit. You know, there was a lot of huge, and I mean huge storylines going into this game. But when I tell you Detroit absolutely kicked off this game on fire, they absolutely did exactly that. As Detroit led Washington 22-0 at halftime. Yes, the Detroit Lions had shut out Washington in the first half. Carson Wentz didn't have a touchdown at all, but... In the second half, Carson Wentz in the offense for the commander started to heat up as Carson Wentz would go 30 for 46, 337 yards passing with three touchdowns and then one interception. He was also sacked five times in this game, three of those sacks coming from Detroit Lions first-round pick Aiden Hutchinson out of uh, Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson had himself a game as he had three sacks in the first half alone. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a star going forward for the Detroit Lions. That kid is just unbelievable how he comes off the ball and just absolutely gets to the quarterback. But anyway, Washington overall statistically did not have a bad game. Carson Wentz spread the ball out a lot. You know, he connected with uh, Curtis Samuel, who finally is kind of starting to get healthy. And he had himself a a pretty good day, too. He had seven receptions for 78 passing yards with one touchdown. Terry McLaurin had four receptions for 75 yards receiving. Uh, Washington's first-round pick, Jahan Dotson, he had four receptions for 59 yards receiving alongside with one touchdown. Now, obviously, all of their offense, it came in the second half. They did not do anything in the first half. Detroit absolutely went off in the first half. And I want to give a shout-out to Detroit Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, this kid is a name that a lot of people need to get a lot more familiar with because he is definitely one of the better young and up-and-coming wide receivers in the NFL. As Amon Ra had himself a absolute day as he had nine receptions for 116 yards receiving with two touchdowns. So, yeah, if you had him in fantasy, you absolutely probably won your game already. But he was really their sole receiver in this game because the the next receiver that was high on the list for receiving totals was Josh Reynolds, who had 38 uh, receiving yards with one touchdown. But regardless of that, the Detroit Lions, their offense with Jared Goff at the helm looks super solid as Jared Goff, the former Rams, first overall pick. He went 20 for 34, 256 passing yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions. So very good game by Jared Goff. Luckily, you know, for the Detroit Lions fans, he didn't make a lot of costly mistakes that we've seen him do a lot, definitely last season. So could this potentially be the year we see the Lions start to gain some momentum under Dan Campbell? Because this was definitely a statement win against a very good and young 
Washington Commander team. But anyway, the final score for this game would be 36-27 as Detroit would defeat the Washington Commanders. Now Detroit, they improved a 1-1 one one on the season, and then Washington falls to 1-1 one one on the season as well. Now let's head down south to New Orleans as we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the New Orleans Saints. Both teams going into this game were 1-0. Tampa Bay just got off a very impressive and dominating win against the Dallas Cowboys in Week 1. New Orleans Saints had a very, and I mean amazing, great comeback win against the Atlanta Falcons in Week 1. So this was definitely an entertaining match. This was a matchup that should have been very entertaining to watch as we have the uh, Saints offense with guys like Jarvis Landry, you have Michael Thomas coming back, but another big thing for the Saints offense in this game was the fact that Jameis Winston was dealing with like some like four broken bones or something in his back, like he was dealing with a huge injury issue, he was in a lot of pain, you could tell by this game as he made a lot of mistakes, but overall, I mean, I can't really blame him because, I mean, he was super injured, but anyway, besides that, so to start off this game, there was really not that much action as, you know, we had a field goal in the first quarter and that would be it until we would get another field goal in the third quarter. So going into half, New Orleans actually led Tampa Bay 3-0, to but Tampa Bay would immediately respond with a field goal of their own, tying the game 3-3. to And then in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady finally turned into Tom Brady as he would give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, 20 unanswered points in the second half to lead them to a win over the New Orleans Saints, 20 to 10. Now Tom Brady by no means had himself a great day at all as he went 18 for 34, 190 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But it just something seemed off. Tampa Bay they didn't have Julio Jones, they didn't have Chris Godwin. You know, two of their top receivers were out with injuries. Mike Evans was in this game, but he was still dealing with an ankle injury. So. He, that he really did not have his offense fully healthy. Now, Leonard Fournette didn't have a bad day at all. He got an absolute buttload of carries, not as much yards to back it up. But Leonard Fournette had 24 carries for 65 yards uh, rushing and no touchdowns. So, definitely not Leonard Fournette's best day either. But Mike Evans, who had a couple storylines in this game overall, and for, I don't know if you'd say good reasons, but... He definitely had a couple storylines as Mike Evans would go would have three receptions for 61 yards receiving. And also him and Marshawn Lattimore, I, the beef continues for some reason. They just do not like each other at all as when uh, Tom Brady, I think, was hit late out of bounds. Mike Evans immediately got up and absolutely just laid out Marshawn Lattimore. Now, both of these guys, they would end up getting ejected from the game due to fighting and I mean, it was a more. I mean, honestly, that's what made this game interesting. I feel like because if you honestly, if you actually thoroughly watch this game throughout the first half, I give you a lot of props because, man, was there a lot, and I mean a lot of punting. So, but, but anyway, Tampa Bay would hold off the New Orleans Saints as they would win twenty to ten. Now, Tampa Bay improves to two and zero on the year, and then New Orleans falls to one and one. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how they do with or how they deal with Jameis Winston and his injury situation because. They still have Taysom, Taysom Hill. I mean, he can still play the quarterback position. Is he as good as Jameis Winston? No. But at the same time, you're not going to want to force Jameis Winston, who's kind of been injury-prone these last few years, to injure himself even worse. And then you're stuck in a situation where you only have Taysom Hill, and then you have to go out and find a new quarterback. But anyway, Tampa Bay does end up winning that game over the New Orleans Saints. Now, for the next game, we're going to travel up north as we have the Miami Dolphins taking on the Baltimore Ravens. And when I tell you all this, I mean, this might be one of the best comeback games in NFL history. Like, I mean, of all time, this might actually be probably the best game. As going into the fourth quarter, the Baltimore Ravens were leading the Miami Dolphins 35-14 to and what should have been an easy win for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens as Lamar Jackson had himself personally a career day as he was as for throwing wise he went 20 21 for 29 318 yards passing with three touchdowns and no sacks and then even for rushing he was the lead rusher for the Baltimore Ravens as he had nine carries for 119 yards rushing with one touchdown so he was pretty much most of Baltimore's offense Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman both put up 100-plus yards receiving today, so very solid day for them. But on the flip side, Miami had, I mean, the offense was non-existent pretty much throughout the first three quarters. Defense could not handle uh, could not handle Lamar Jackson, to say the least, as Lamar Jackson broke out a 70-plus yard uh, 
TD run, and it was just it was looking like it was pretty much over for Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. But in the fourth and the fourth fourth quarter, man, did this Miami offense that we had gotten so used to seeing now. They came absolutely alive as Tua Tagovailoa on the day. Despite having a few early interceptions, he had himself a literal career day as he went 36 for 50, 469 yards passing with six touchdowns and two interceptions on an NFL defense, especially on a defense for Baltimore that is known as being one of the best in all of the NFL. So huge day, and I mean huge day for Tua Tagovailoa. But the main guys in this game that we need to talk about is the two-headed monster at wide receiver that the Miami Dolphins have. As Tyreek Hill, he absolutely balled out today as he almost put up 200 receiving yards as he, as he had 11 receptions for 190 receiving yards with two touchdowns. And then Jalen Waddle, who had also had 11 receptions, almost put up, a, almost put up 200 as well. As he had 11 receptions, 171 receiving yards, and then two touchdowns on the day. It was a absolutely phenomenal comeback win for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, shout out to Miami's defense in the fourth quarter for picking up the slack as they only allowed Baltimore to have a field goal in the fourth quarter. So, great game overall for both teams. I mean, Baltimore, you probably should definitely realize the fact that you literally gave up. <laughs> I mean... I mean, it's just you get. I mean, it's just it astonishes me because Baltimore was playing so good. Devin Duvernay on the first kickoff of the game took it back for a touchdown to put Baltimore up seven to zip. And then even in the second quarter, Baltimore put up 21 points to Miami's lone touchdown in the first half. So going into the half, it was 28 to seven Baltimore. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, but Miami. They did what the New England Patriots did in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. They came right back and decided, you know what? We want to win this game. Tyreek Hill had himself a day. Jalen Waddle had probably his best game so far as a pro. Tua Tagovailoa probably had his best game as a pro so far as the Miami Dolphins will now improve to 2-0 on the season. And the Baltimore Ravens will fall to 1-1 on the season as the Miami Dolphins defeated the Baltimore Ravens 42-38 to in what is going to be an all-time classic game. And now to finally wrap up the afternoon slate of games on this beautiful NFL Sunday, we're going to talk about the 0-1 New York Jets traveling to Cleveland to take on the 1-0 Cleveland Browns. Now, this game did not go how I expected to. Uh, apparently, Joe Flacco turned back into prime Joe Flacco in a way because when you look at it completion-wise, it doesn't look the greatest, but overall, he had a very solid day as Joe Flacco went 26 for 44, 307 yards passing with four touchdowns and was sacked twice for a loss of 15 total. Now on the offensive side, Jacoby Brissett had an okay get, had an okay game as he went 22 for 27, 229 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception. So quarterback play obviously was not going to be the biggest impact in this game because both quarterbacks are just backups at this point in their careers. But overall, both quarterbacks played pretty solid. Now, Nick Chubb for Cleveland is pretty much a huge part of their offense today as Nick Chubb had 17 carries for 87 yards rushing with three touchdowns, so huge part, especially if you had him in fantasy. He probably also won you in your fantasy game in your fantasy league. Now, Brees Hall, he actually led the New York Jets in rushing as he had seven carries for 50 yards rushing but with no touchdowns. And then for the receivers in this game, Garrett Wilson, the first-round pick, the first, uh, no, the second first-round pick for the New York Jets in this past year's draft out of Ohio State. He finally had his breakout game as he had eight receptions for 102 receiving yards and then two touchdowns. So, yeah, Garrett Wilson is the real deal, and I only expect him to get better from this point on. Corey Davis also had a very solid day as he had two receptions for 83 yards and one touchdown. And then on the flip side, Amari Cooper, the former Raiders and Cowboys wide receiver, now with the Browns, despite not having his starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, due to the 11-game suspension, he had himself an amazing day as well as he had nine receptions for 101 yards receiving and then one touchdown. But ultimately, despite all the efforts from the Browns offense with guys like Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper. Cleveland just for some reason choked the game right at the end of the fourth quarter as the New York Jets would go on to beat the Browns 31-30 as the Jets now improved to 1-1. One one. 
and the Browns fall to one and one as well. So yeah, guys, that wraps it up for all of the afternoon slate of games. So let's get into the uh, early e or let's do the uh, late afternoon, early evening slate of games. And this slate was absolutely amazing. And the first game that I want to talk about is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Arlington, Texas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, at the very start of this game, Dallas was absolutely dominating and firing on all cylinders as after the first quarter, they led Cincinnati 14-3. Cooper Rush actually had a pretty solid day as he went 19 for 31, 235 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. He also had a QBR of 78.2, so very phenomenal day for a backup that not a lot of people expected to do that good in this game, especially against a very solid uh, Cincinnati Bengal defense. And then on the flip side, for some reason it just seemed like Cincinnati could not get anything going on offense, whether it was in the run game, passing game. I mean, they just could not get anything started. Joe Burrow definitely did not have the best of days as he went 24 for 36, 199 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But the main thing to take from all of these stats, especially on the Cincinnati Bengal part, was the fact that Joe Burrow was sacked six times in this game which now puts his season total of being sacked, I think, somewhere around 13 to 15 sacks already this year. So despite all the free agency moves that the Cincinnati Bengals did in the offseason, it just seems like their offensive line just could not get things clicking. Lael Collins was absolutely terrified when he played against his former Cowboy teammate, Micah Parsons, especially when Micah would be lined up right in front of him. So that was kind of an interesting matchup to watch throughout this game. And speaking of Micah Parsons, Micah also racked up another two sacks in this game. I mean, this kid is an absolute beast and is going to be a star for, I mean, the next decade at least. I mean, honestly, he easily, you could easily say he's one of the best defenders in all of uh, the NFL right now. and He's only going to continue to get better and better each year. So Micah was absolutely just a dominant force when it came to defense. Dorrance Armstrong, one of the defensive tackles for Dallas, also had two uh, two sacks. And Dante Fowler also had himself a sack as well. So, very dominant day for this uh, Dallas Cowboy defense. They pretty much held Jamar Chase in the whole wide receiving room of the Cincinnati Bengals to under 200 yards total. Jamar Chase only had 54 total receiving yards on the day. T. Higgins only had 71 and, I mean, they just absolutely shut down some of the best wide receivers in all of the NFL. So, great game by Trayvon Diggs and the whole secondary for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, anyway, this game would eventually come down to a last-second field goal by Brett Maher. Now, honestly, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching this game in real time, I thought the kick did miss just because of the way that the broadcast camera had the field goal. But the, uh, but the kick would sneak right through the right upright and Dallas would go on to beat the Cincinnati Bengals 20 to 17 which in which was in which was a huge game for Dallas because it proved that their offense is still very capable the offensive line is still kind of you know very suspect they still need to adjust, you know definitely adjust a few things I know their injury riddles can be you know Zach Martin still remains to be one of the big you know components for the offensive line but obviously not having Tyron Smith is definitely a huge loss but overall I think Cooper Rush looked absolutely fantastic today. He did make a couple bad throws, but overall, I think he definitely looked very solid. And I know it's going to kind of shock a lot of people, but in my opinion, Cooper Rush looked better with this Dallas Cowboys offense today than Dak Prescott looked against the Bucks. And no offense to Dak because we don't know what's going behind, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. He could be dealing with some type of injury that we just had no clue about. But definitely Cooper Rush right now looks like the better option for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I could be saying that in the next week against the Giants. He'll absolutely fumble the bag, so we'll just have to wait and see. But in this game, he dominated against a pretty stout Cincinnati Bengals team. But anyway, Dallas will now improve to 1-1 and on the year. And Cincinnati will fall to 0-2 after making it to the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah, not the greatest start for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. But anyway, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Bengals 20-17 at AT&T Stadium. Now, anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to talk about is going to be the Atlanta Falcons traveling to L.A. to take on the Los Angeles Rams. A lot of y'all can probably expect how this game went, and honestly, it was a lot closer than most people thought, especially myself included. Matthew Stafford, who I think is still dealing with a lot of shoulder injuries, he did throw a pair of interceptions, interceptions today as he went 27 for 36, 272 yards passing with three touchdowns and then two interceptions as well. And then on the flip side, Marcus Mariota, 
didn't have that bad day overall at all. He, had, he went uh, 17 for 26, 196 yards passing with two touchdowns and then a pair of interceptions as well. So overall, not a bad game for a quarterback that, you know, really has not done anything in the league for some years now. But also, uh, you know, we're still not really seeing a lot of Cam Akers. Now, Cam Akers got a ton of carries for the Rams today as he had 15 carries. But when it came to yardage-wise, he only put up 44 yards, so not a very good impressive day by any means for cam makers but it's good to know that he's starting to get incorporated a lot more into the offense after he tore his acl i'd say probably about roughly a year or so ago uh the rams defense i'll give them i'll give them credit in this game they kind of and i mean they definitely held down cordell patterson as they only allowed 10 carries for 41 yards so good job for the rams by holding cordell patterson but the rookie drake london which was uh, the Atlanta Falcons' first-round pick in this past year's draft, had a pretty solid game himself as well. He had eight receptions for 86 yards receiving and one touchdown. So it's good to see the rookie who was dealing with some injuries to begin the season. It's good to see him doing pretty solid right now. And then on the flip side, you know, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup continues to do Cooper Cup things as Cooper Cup had 11 receptions for 108 yards receiving and two touchdowns. So the reigning offensive player of the year, he might be wanting to come back for that title, honestly. I know he probably won't get it this year, but Cooper Cub is already off to a very great start so far into the 2022 season. But anyway, the Los Angeles Rams would hold off a late comeback attempt by the Atlanta Falcons as they would defeat Atlanta 31-27 with the Atlanta Falcons scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter and the Rams only scoring three. But anyway, the Rams somehow find a, find a way to hold them off. So now the Rams get their first win of the season and improve to 1-1, and, and the Atlanta and the Atlanta Falcons fall to 0-2. Now let's travel over, or not really travel over to, but let's travel up a little bit north into San Francisco as we have the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks at Levi's Stadium. And going into this game, I really thought, especially after a very dominant week one that the Seahawks had against a Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos team, I expected Seattle to absolutely fire on all cylinders, especially Geno Smith, who had a overall very solid game against the Denver Broncos and their pretty stout defense. But in this game, Geno Smith definitely had a decent amount of struggles because statistically, I know it doesn't really show, but overall, I know he definitely did have a few missed throws as Geno Smith would go 24 for 30, 197 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception on the day. And then on the flip side, Trey Lance, who was the starter for this game, Unfortunately, he would be taken out of the game early and would unfortunately have to be carted off in a uh, in a blow-up uh, leg cast, which is never a good sign at all. And unfortunately, we would later find out that Trey Lance, who was the uh, San Francisco 49ers first-round pick back in 2021, he has officially been announced that he has that he has a season that he has a season-ending uh, leg injury and will miss all of the 2022 season so prayers with Trey Lance uh, it's really unfortunate to see because he was finally getting his opportunity but at the same time there's a reason why probably the 49ers kept Jimmy Garoppolo around in case something like this happened and Jimmy Garoppolo actually made the most out of his opportunity as he went 13 for 21 154 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions so overall not a bad day from Jimmy G now, Seattle, who's kind of proud of themselves always on being able to have a decent run game, they could not run the ball one bit in this game as they only had a total of 36 rushing yards throughout four, uh, four runners in this game. So, yeah, definitely not a great game running for the Seahawks. But on the flip side, San Francisco, despite not having their starting running back, Elijah Mitchell, for the next like month or two, their running game was not bad at all. Jeff Wilson Jr. had 18 carries for 84 yards uh, rushing. Debo Samuel did Debo Samuel things as he had four uh, four carries for 53 rushing yards. So overall, not a bad game for San Francisco when it came to rushing. But also I want to give a shout-out to, to Tyler Lockett, who had himself a pretty solid day despite, obviously, you know, not being able to really do anything offensively. He had nine receptions for 107 yards receiving, so pretty good game by Tyler Lockett, but that was really it when it came to Seattle's offense because, I mean, they just could not get anything going. But San Francisco, which is absolutely demolished, and, I mean, they didn't really do too much in the second half, but that first half and how many points they put up against the Seattle Seahawks was definitely enough to hold them off as, as San Francisco would go on to beat Seattle. 27 to 7 so the Seahawks fall to 1 and 1 and the uh, San Francisco 49ers improve to 1 and 1
Now for the next game we're going to talk about, we're going to travel over to Denver and talk about the Denver Broncos taking on the Houston Texans. Now, most people expected uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos to probably be able to run over Houston's defense. And honestly, I mean, I was kind of astonished because Russell Wilson and this uh, Denver Bronco offense did not look that great at all. Russell Wilson looked absolutely horrendous today. Now, I mean, he did have a few decent plays, but overall, a very rough day and very rough start to the season for Russell Wilson as in the game against the Texans, he threw for 14 for 31, 219 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception, which ultimately landed him with a QBR of 45.8. So definitely Russ was not cooking in this game against the Houston Texans because throughout three quarters, he was pretty much non-existent. Now Davis Mills, the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, he didn't have that great of a game either as he went 19 for 38, 177 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day, and he would end up with a QBR of 20.1. Now, for the people out there who may not know what QBR is, it's a QB rating, which kind of ranks a QB's play on a scale of 1 to 100. And in this case, you obviously, if you're at 20, that's not good. And even anything lower than 50 is not really good at all. So both of the quarterbacks in today's game were just pretty much just eh. But Javante Williams did kind of have a bounce-back game after a really rough, and I mean rough, week one against Seattle as he had 15 carries for 75 yards of rushing. And then Damian Pierce, who also had a rough week one against the Indianapolis Colts last week, he also kind of had a bounce-back week as he had 15 carries for 69 yards rushing. So overall, the running games were not horrible for both teams. But the receivers are what truly set this game apart as Denver wide receiver uh, Cortland Sutton had a career day as he had seven receptions for 120, 20, or 122 yards receiving. Didn't get a touchdown, but overall it's good to see him balling out, especially after how injury prone he has been the past couple seasons. And Houston Texans, they really were not able to get any type of uh, receiver game going as Nico Collins led them in receiving with four receptions for 58 yards. But honestly, I do not want to like kind of shed over the fact that, I mean, dude, D Russell Wilson just looked horrible in this game. He threw a very costly interception, his lone interception, into a triple coverage. Uh, he tried to get to he tried to get it to Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton almost somehow made a catch, but ultimately the three secondary defenders around him would end up bobbling the ball and would ultimately they would end up with the interception. So a very costly mistake by Russell Wilson. But overall. I just, I'm kind of astonished by how rough Russell Wilson has played. And I know last year was not his best year either. But for a guy like Russell Wilson, who has been known to be able to be able to kind of be a consistent quarterback in the league, I don't want to say it's very concerning, but it's definitely something to continue to like keep your eye on throughout the rest of the season. But anyway, the Denver Broncos would be able to hold off the Houston Texans as Denver would will now get and will now improve and would get their first win of the season, and they will improve to one and one on the year. Now Houston, they get their first official loss of the year, and they now move to 0-1 and one with one tie being against the Indianapolis Colts in Week One. Now, anyway, guys, the last game of the late afternoon, early evening slate of games we're going to talk about is going to arguably be probably a game of the year candidate, and that is going to be regarding the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Las Vegas to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, when this game started, I mean, truly, it did look like it was going to be a blowout for Las Vegas as at halftime, they were leading the Arizona Cardinals 20-0. Kyler Murray did not look that great. The run game was pretty much non-existent by Arizona. And the receivers for Arizona just were not able to get most of that stuff done. And despite a pretty lackluster day by Devontae Adams for the Raiders, as he was only as he only had two receptions for 12 yards, but he did have a touchdown. So if you had him in fantasy, you at least did get the points he got for the touchdown. But overall, not a great day by Devontae Adams, despite him being targeted seven times. And honestly, Las Vegas's receiving core is really not what led them in this game. And it's kind of funny to say that because their offense as a whole was just not that amazing, but their defense is what really carried them in this game. As a breakout linebacker in last season, Divine Diablo, he had 15 total tackles on the day, and six of those were solo. So very solid day when it came to tackling for the Las Vegas Raiders. But overall, their offensive struggles in the second half of the game is what got them as Arizona would score, I think it was about 16 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, which would eventually lead Arizona and Las Vegas to go into overtime. And 
when I tell y'all this was one of the best, and I mean best, games that I've seen Kyler Murray play so far in his career, despite a very bad start to the, the game, he honestly finished very strong as he had two super impressive two-point two point attempts, which I honestly think have got to be some of the best two-point conversions we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. So shout-out to, to Kyler Murray for being able to extend the play when, honestly, I don't think the play could have been extended by any other quarterback. But anyway, going into overtime, uh, the Arizona Cardinals they went they went four they went fourth they went uh, three and out, punted the ball to Las Vegas. Las Vegas was rolling down the field, and then a super costly fumble by Hunter Renfro would lead to um, Arizona Cardinal defensive back Byron Murphy picking up the football and returning it to the end zone and giving the Arizona Cardinals a 29 to 23 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. This honestly has got to be the game of the year. Now, I know we still have, I think, 15 more weeks left to play, so obviously hold our horses. But overall, a very solid show by the Arizona Cardinals in the second half. As Kyler Murray, he didn't have a great start to the game, but he finished strong as he went 31 for 49, 270, 277 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. And Derek Carr, honestly, not a horrible game either. I know he made a few kind of boneheaded throws, but overall, not a bad game as he went 25 for 39, 252 yards uh, passing with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So at least for Derek Carr, it was a good sign that he was not throwing any type of interceptions. But ultimately, the receivers in this game were not really that huge of a factor because uh, Mac Hollins was actually Las Vegas' uh, leading receiver in this game with 66 yards receiving. So definitely not the greatest game when it came into uh, production for Las Vegas wide receivers. But ultimately, the defense is what will win you games, and that is exactly what it did for Arizona as they now improve to 1-1 one one on the year. And Las Vegas, unfortunately, falls to 0-2. Now, Las Vegas has had a really rough two-game stretch now because they almost came back against the uh, L.A. Chargers last week but ultimately will lose despite a very solid showing from Devontae Adams. And then in this week against Arizona, despite a very, I guess you could say, solid showing by most of the defense, they would unfortunately choke when it when it mattered the most and Arizona would, Arizona would go on to win in overtime. So great win by Arizona after a really bad week one against Kansas City. And it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this game as well and continue to improve on some much, much needed momentum that they've been absolutely desiring. So, but anyway, guys, the next game and the final game on this Sunday or this NFL Sunday is going to be going to Sunday night football as we have the Chicago Bears traveling to Green Bay, Wisconsin to take on the Green Bay Packers. Now, first and foremost, before we do start talking about this game, I want to give a shout out to Justin Fields because I know this was not his statistically best game that he's had as a pro. But when you watched how much he was absolutely running for his life against a very, and I mean one of the best defenses in all of the NFL in Green Bay, I give him props because he had some pretty, and I mean some honestly good, he had a one good touchdown in this game, almost had a second one, but was called short of the uh chart of the goal line but Justin Fields overall did not have a bad day by any means but anyway let's start talking about this game a little bit more so in the first quarter Green Bay would first come out with the ball they would uh kick a field goal and then Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears would immediately respond with a touchdown of their own as Justin Justin Fields would rush into the end zone and would give the Chicago Bears a 7-3 lead after the first quarter but this would be the only touchdown that Chicago would score the whole game and the only points they would score until the third quarter as the Green Bay Packers had a very, and I mean very, dominant second quarter as they would score 21 unanswered on top of a Chicago Bears defense that is just pretty much just unfortunately very young and very inexperienced besides guys like Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson. And, I mean, overall, uh, guys like Roquan, they didn't have a bad game at all. They were actually... Some pretty decent tackling machines as Roquan Smith, uh, Roquan Smith had 11 total tackles on the day. Eddie Jackson had nine total tackles with one tackle for loss. So not you know not bad by any means for them. But overall, this Green Bay offense, whether it was running the football with Aaron Jones or just receiving it with guys like Sammy Watkins, just Chicago could not keep up. As Aaron Rodgers, he would go 19 for 25, 234 yards receiving with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So. I think it's just a thing for the Green Bay Packers where week one, it's like just another bye week for them because we saw it last year when they played in Jacksonville against the New Orleans Saints, and they absolutely got destroyed. But after that, they went on a huge winning spree. And, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of wondering, will it be the same this year? Because it just seems like week one is never it for the Green Bay Packers. And 
obviously this game against the Chicago Bears, they absolutely dominated on offense because Aaron Jones, who they had just re-signed in the offseason to a contract extension, he finally had a great game. I know last week was definitely not a good game for him, but he had an amazing game in this game as he had 15 carries for 132 yards rushing with one touchdown. And Sammy Watkins, the former first-round pick of the Buffalo Bills, he had an amazing game today as he had three receptions for 93 yards receiving. So, Overall, a pretty solid day for the Green Bay Packers when it came to offensively because they struggled heavily against the Minnesota Vikings. So getting this huge win against the Chicago Bears was definitely something that they that they much needed as Green Bay would improve to 1-1 one one on the year. Chicago would fall to 1-1 one one as the Green Bay Packers would go on to beat the Chicago Bears 27-10. So anyway, I mean, it's... It's one of those situations where we're just going to have to wait and see for both of these teams. Chicago, their main thing that they need to work on is bettering the offensive line because if they're not able to figure out some way to get a better offensive line, Justin Fields is going to get absolutely massacred his whole career. And then Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers started to look a little bit like the Aaron Rodgers of old and maybe potentially that he can finally lead them, but don't expect too, too much out of this Green Bay Packers team this year. Now, guys, now that we are done with NFL Sunday, we did have a doubleheader on Monday night, and the first game of the doubleheader that I want to talk about on Monday Night Football is going to be the Tennessee Titans traveling to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. Now, in this matchup, the Tennessee Titans were coming off a very disappointing loss to the New York Giants. Buffalo was coming off a very dominant win against last year's Super Bowl champs, the Los Angeles Rams. So, two teams kind of on two different totem poles, and man was this game just never close from the beginning as Tennessee despite jumping out to tie the lead 7-7 with a Derrick Henry goal line touchdown Buffalo just absolutely destroyed them in the second half and then in the second quarter as Buffalo put up a combined 34 points in the second and third quarter as Josh Allen the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills he continued to do Josh Allen things as he went 26 for 38 317 yards passing with four touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day and then his tag team partner the one and only Stephon Diggs he had himself a career day as well as he had 12 receptions for 148 yards receiving with three TDs and I mean man is this, this Buffalo Bills offense is going to be absolutely absurd to like just watch the rest of this year the whole duo between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs has got to be probably the best duo right now in the whole NFL. Um, rookie running back James Cook, he finally had a pretty solid day as well as he had 11 carries for 53 yards rushing with a long of 33. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans who definitely, and I mean definitely, did not have a great day. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, the starting quarterback for the Titans, he had an absolutely horrid day as he went 11 for 20, 117 yards passing with zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, if you don't watch a lot of Tennessee Titan football, their kind of main weapon on offense is running back Derrick Henry. He's pretty much their bread and butter. You know, if he gets going nine times out of ten, they will probably end up winning the game. And Derrick Henry in this game was pretty much non-existent after the first quarter as he only had 13 carries for 25 yards rushing and one touchdown. So I know a lot of fantasy fantasy owners are kind of pissed off right now, but I know a lot of Tennessee Titan fans are probably upset at the fact that just Derrick Henry never seemed to be able to get it going. The offensive line kind of crumbled in this game starting uh, left tackle Taylor Lewan. He went down with an injury and did not return in this game. So huge blow for the Tennessee Titans, especially their offensive line, which is already pretty weak as now their only really solid starting lineman is Ben Jones their center so definitely something of concern to watch for when it comes to the Tennessee Titans offense now Traylon Burks the rookie out of Arkansas he's pretty much the swap pick that they got for when they traded AJ Brown to the Eagles he had an okay day he had four receptions for 47 yards receiving with no touchdowns so nothing impressive and he was the T Tennessee Titans leading receiver as they just absolutely just did not have a great day whatsoever now, I do want to give a shout-out to Tennessee defensive back Roger McCrary. Now, I know he definitely got burnt on a couple plays and definitely obviously made a lot of rookie mistakes. But overall, he had a pretty solid day, especially when it came to making tackles, as he had 11 total tackles on the day. All were solo, so no combined efforts. So, I mean, hey, that's something definitely to look forward to for a young rookie, especially at a cornerback position that the, uh, that the Tennessee Titans need very badly. But anyway... 
the Buffalo Bills would go on to roll the Tennessee Titans in the first game of the double Monday night header or the double yeah double header of Monday night football here in week two 41 to 7 with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills now improving to 2 and 0 and the Tennessee and Tennessee Titans falling to 0 and 2 now let's travel over to uh, Philadelphia Pennsylvania for the final game here on week two and man did Philadelphia make a statement in this game on offense and on defense because despite Jalen Hurts probably playing the best best game of his career so far, we definitely need to give a shout-out to the Philadelphia Eagles who absolutely balled, and I mean balled out on defense, most notably uh, Darius Slay who had two interceptions on the day. Both were at crucial points in the game and also locked up uh, – who also locked up Minnesota Minnesota Vikings starting wide receiver and their best wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, who had an absolutely amazing game last week against the Green Bay Packers. So shout out to Darius Lakes. I know a lot of people probably won't talk about his performance, but Darius Slay had himself an amazing day. But anyway, another guy that definitely deserves a lot of recognition in this game is Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts, he just balled out today, whether it was on the ground or throwing the football, as he went 26 for 31. 333 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception and was only sacked three times. So not bad for the Philadelphia Eagles and obviously Jalen Hurts, who has kind of sometimes always been known to make some mistakes. He definitely did not really make that many mistakes in this game. Now, when it came to rushing for Jalen Hurts, he had 11 carries for 57 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And one of those touchdowns came on a very impressive. It wasn't like a long run by any means, but... He absolutely was just breaking tackles and then finally dove over the goal line to give the Philadelphia Eagles a touchdown. And, I mean, he just he just balled out. I mean, it's simple as that. And he got a lot of wide receivers in this game, a lot of targets as Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, uh, uh, Kez Watkins, and then A.J. Brown all pretty much recorded 70-plus receiving yards. So, overall, very solid day for Philadelphia when it came to offensively. And even uh, Miles Sanders, who really hasn't done anything too, too crazy up to this point, he finally had his first real good game as he had 17 carries for 80 yards rushing. Now, the real story that I want to talk about in this game is just how awful Kirk Cousins was in this game. I mean, this has got to be one of the worst games I've ever seen Kirk Cousins play as he went 27 for 46, 221 yards passing with one touchdown and three very costly interceptions, two of which came in the form of Darius Slay, the star cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And to make matters even worse, Kirk Cousins was the Minnesota Vikings' uh, leading rusher in this game as he had two carries for 20 yards. So yes, Kirk Cousins was the leading rusher for the Vikings in this game. And you're probably wondering, how did Delvin Cook do? You know, obviously their franchise running back. Well, he had six carries for 17 yards rushing with no touchdowns. So once again, running backs seem to very much be disappointing. A lot of fantasy owners in this Monday Night Football doubleheader. And it definitely came in the form of Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Now, I do want to give a shout-out to Jalen Rager, who was a former first-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles, got traded to the Vikings in the offseason. And I know statistically he did not have a great game, but I'm glad to see that he is starting to kind of feel like more of himself and it's definitely starting to show a lot more improvements so shout out to Jalen Rager the former TCU Horn Frog star but in anyway another huge topic in this game Justin Jefferson he didn't even clip the 50 yard mark in this game as he only had six receptions for 48 yards receiving after he had a near 200 yard uh, reception game last week against the Green Bay Packers so great job by the Philadelphia secondary for absolutely locking down Kirk Cousins main target and Adam Thielen he was a leading receiver in this game with four receptions for 52 yards receiving. So it just overall was not that great grave a day for the Minnesota Vikings, whether it was on offense or defense, because, man, Jalen or yeah, Jalen Hurts was absolutely dotting up that Minnesota secondary as he would lead the Philadelphia Eagles over the Minnesota Vikings in a 24-7 win. Now, Minnesota, they fall to 1-1 one one on the season, and the Philadelphia Eagles, they improved to 2-0. and so Philadelphia Eagle fans, this is definitely a time to be very excited for the future of this team because they are very young, but they have a lot of great young core talent, and it's going to be a very bright future up in Philadelphia. And I almost said the point, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but as of right now, it is definitely always sunny up in Philadelphia. But anyway, guys, that wraps up all of the action from the 2022 NFL Week 2 
slate of games. Now let me know what y'all's favorite game was down in the comments below, whether it was on Sunday, Thursday, or even on Monday, which we had two huge blowout games, but was still pretty entertaining to watch. But anyway, guys, I thank y'all for uh, listening. I almost said watching, but thank y'all for listening to today's recap. Um, make sure to also check out the previews that we have for college football and NFL week three and four. They both will be coming out on Wednesday, so make sure to go check those out. And once again, guys, I truly support, I truly thank y'all for all the support that you show the podcast by just listening, liking, sharing, whatever you might do. I just super, and I mean super, super appreciate y'all for being the amazing people y'all are. But anyway, guys, I hope y'all have a fantastic rest of y'all's week. I hope y'all absolutely make sure to tune into some more football, and I will see y'all back here on Wednesday for the uh, previews of both college football week four and NFL week three. So peace, guys, and I'll see you then.